Life as a woman in the 21st century is challenging. We experience social pressures to have a great job, be the best mom, partner, daughter, and maybe for some, depending on your age, caregivers for your parents. That means we have limited time for self-care. But did you know that taking just 20 minutes of me time three to five times a week will actually make you calmer, centered, and more productive in whatever it is that you need to do? One of the best ways I find my inner calm is to do yoga, of course, but also to learn something new and exciting, to get my mindset away from that monumental to-do list. Life is so serious so much of the time, so it's important to lighten up and take a break from it all. In this podcast, we will be discussing topics that I find fascinating and that help me get into a positive present moment headspace. Appropriately titled Yoga, the Moon, and Me, we will be discussing yoga, of course, but also spirituality, travel, the moon, her energy and her phases, and, well, life. You can find a new podcast here each week, sometimes just me, and sometimes I'll have a partner in crime. I don't take myself too seriously, and I believe that most problems can be solved by a conversation and 60 good minutes on a yoga mat. So from my sacred space to yours, welcome to the Yoga, the Moon, and Me podcast. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. I'm so happy to be back. It's been a minute. I have been uh, traveling in Iceland and it was uh, such an incredible experience. We were up north in Akureyri, which is beautiful and uh, pretty untouched, surrounded by mountains, lots of hiking, lots of yoga. So it was really fantastic, but happy to be back home in good old Canada. This week in my online studio and in my life, we've been talking about and focusing our yoga and meditation practice on this month's full moon. And as you know, I love following the moon phases and learning all about them and how they affect us in mind, body and spirit. And I'm actually recording this uh, on November the 8th, which is the full moon here in central Ontario. And this morning, bright and early, we also experienced a lunar eclipse. And so that means the energy is so heightened right now. And if you don't understand what's going on, you can really feel like you're losing it sometimes. So I think it's really important to know what's going on following the moon phases um, kind of gives us that idea of, okay, I'm feeling weird, but maybe this energy isn't just mine. It might be contributed to where the moon's sitting and how it's pushing or pulling us emotionally, mentally. So normally with full moon energy, we feel it for about three days. So the day before the day of, and the day after, I would say right now, because we have this whole lunar eclipse thing, well, that's heightened even more. So what does this lunar eclipse mean for us anyways? How's it affecting us? According to Yoga Journal, eclipses signify significant periods of change and transformation. And so while a solar eclipse opens the portal for new beginnings and change, a lunar eclipse reveals energies that help us complete a journey or shift our course in some way. 
What's interesting in these shifts is that it doesn't take place all at once. The transformation might start or continue on an eclipse, but the work continues throughout the time that eclipses are occurring in the same set of signs. So the lunar eclipse, which coincided with the full moon on May 15th of this year, continued the magic of the Taurus solar eclipse that occurred on April 30th and is part of the set of seven eclipses taking place on the Taurus and Scorpio axis from, sorry, axis from November 2021 to October 2023. So with this full moon in Taurus, combined with yet another lunar eclipse, we're somewhere in the middle of this process. So that is a lot of astrology speak for me. But when I look back at my life from November 2021 until now, there has been significant change in my life. There's been shifts in my course, and there has been a lot of letting go. It's really kind of exciting, and I know that at some point I need to dive deeper into these teachings, but for now I rely on the great minds and knowledge of others about astrology, and I just observe closely how these phases, eclipses, how they make me feel. Last night I was making dinner, and I actually felt dizzy and spacey for no valid reason. And for a minute, I thought, man, I wonder if I'm getting vertigo. A lot of my clients have vertigo and they try to explain it to me. But I think until you've really experienced it yourself, you can't know. So I was like, man, maybe I'm getting vertigo. And then the light bulb went off. I was like, of course, we're coming into major full moon energy right now. So I just took it easy, sat down so I didn't fall over and rode out the wave. One thing that I love about full moons is their names and meanings. And depending on who you ask or what culture you're drawing from, there's always a different spin on meanings and the significance of the period that we're going through. So this month's full moon is no different. And in my research, I found three names, but there's probably more. The first name is the beaver moon, and that's derived from North America. So in North America, the November full moon represented a time when the rivers began to freeze and the beavers were hard at work building their dams. So it was the perfect time to hunt them and harvest their fur so that humans could survive the deep cold of winter. The reed moon so R-E-E-D, the reed moon, the Celts referred to November's moon as the reed moon, comparing the ominous sounds of these wind instruments to the sounds of spirits being drawn to the underworld. It was, after all, a dangerous time of year. Think way back when, think hundreds and hundreds of years ago in November, uh, the deep, dark winter months. It was a dangerous time when one might slip and fall, never to be seen again, maybe drawn down to the underworld, who knows. And the last name that I came across is the morning moon, not as in the time of day, but as in grieving, the morning moon. So the pagans referred to November's full moon as the morning moon. It was sometimes, it can be sometimes the last one before winter solstice, this year it's not. After a year of accumulating 
this moon is the perfect time to let go of the old and unnecessary while giving yourself permission to mourn during the process. I find that one generally resonates with me more than others, and for this moon, I'm leaning towards the pagans. I like that they dedicated a moon to the process of letting go, which to a certain degree is always a part of the full moon ritual. But I like that they took it that step further by allowing grieving or mourning to be part of the process. Letting go, for whatever reason, seems to be difficult for us humans. How many of us have stuff that we've accumulated and not used for years, no, decades, we've not touched it one single time, and yet we can't seem to get rid of it. Oh, I might use it someday. Really? It can't honestly be good for our health to clutter our surroundings with stuff, both physically and mentally, emotionally. Think about the clothes in your house. I have so many clothes, and I'm not even a shopper. But because I'm not a shopper, I get gifted bags of clothes from my sister fairly often. And I'm grateful for sure. But I find myself keeping stuff that I, air quote, might wear one day, but never really do. Then I feel like I shouldn't let them go because they're too good to get rid of. Honestly, my sister, she is awesome. She's an interior designer and she is the exact polar opposite of me and my style, which is no style really. So it makes sense that her stylish wear doesn't fit my hobo yogi lifestyle, but my wardrobe is full of her stuff. I feel like I just did a confessional with you guys. So after I'm done this, I'll probably go declutter. When we look at Patanjali's teaching, so if any, if you don't know, Patanjali is the father of yoga. So the founder, the person or people who wrote down the teachings of yoga. So Patanjali's teachings of the Eightfold Path of Yoga touch on the process of letting go and decluttering one's life fairly often. They take a bit of a harsher viewpoint on the art of collecting stuff. The first limb of yoga is called the yamas, and this is the practice of universal moral principles, and it's broken into five parts. One part is called azteya, and the English translation is non-stealing. Only take what is freely given, and only take what we need. Do you know that the yogis believe that desire is the preemptive to stealing? Yogis even consider borrowing something longer than allowed to be stealing. Hoarding is recognized as thievery, so taking more than we need. The second limb of yoga is called the niyamas, and that's the practice of personal disciplines. It's also broken into five parts, and one part is called saucha, and that is the niyama that translates to purity. So when the yogis speak of purity, they refer to outer purity as well as inner purity of the mind. Here we are asked to engage in things that are purifying or cleansing, and it starts with our external environment, so keeping our surroundings clean. And this idea of cleanliness, simplicity, minimalism comes up often in our yoga teachings. And so it's really something 
for us in this time that we're living in to give some thought to, right? Yoga is more than just the practice on the mat. That's just the, that's the asanas. That's one of the eight limbs. So it's really hmm, something for us to contemplate about this purity, about cleansing, about non-stealing. I find that letting go of stuff is one thing, but let's dig a little bit deeper. Why do we humans have such a hard time letting go of relationships that we have outgrown? It could be a friendship that maybe at some point you had lots in common, but now you don't anymore. And it doesn't feel natural, easy, or comfortable. But we find ourselves forcing it, trying to make it the same, trying to make it fit, even though it doesn't. Why do we do that? Why do we think that by resenting having to get together with that person, but doing it anyways, is somehow doing them a favor? Wouldn't it be kinder and more compassionate just to let it come to a natural end without resentment or hard feelings? I know that if I was calling or texting someone and they felt that way about me, I'd really rather that they just let me go. Or let's talk about love relationships, partnerships, or even marriages. How many of us have stayed in a relationship way beyond its expiry date? You can't see me, but I'm raising my hand right now. We all do it. And why? Why do we do that? What purpose does it serve other than to just cause hurt and suffering? Again, why is this a human thing? In our efforts not to hurt anyone, we're just hurting ourselves and them even more. Another thing we hang on to, this whole process of letting go, it seems like an impossibility. We hang on to stories of past experiences, like it's our full-time job. We all have those friends, and I'm starting with friends because it's easier to see other people's shit, really, isn't it? We all have those friends. They tell some traumatic story from their past, and we've all heard it no less than a million times. But they don't hear it. They don't, they don't realize. They're not checking that, oh, I've already told this story to this crowd. They are living that story. They're getting your attention by using it or my attention by telling the story and they are identifying with it. So why is it so hard to let go of? Well, because it's, they're getting their juice from it. But here's the funny thing. We all have a story like that. But as they say, a skunk can't smell his own smell. We can't see that we're doing it too. So here's the thing on the full moon, In the spirit of letting go, making room for new and positive in our lives, I'm going to issue you a challenge and I'm going to issue it to me too, because as soon as I'm done, you know, I'm cleaning my closets. So here's the challenge. We're going to let stuff go. So I want you to, number one, look around your house or your home with a critical eye and start getting rid of stuff. Look at the stuff that you don't really need or that you haven't used. If you haven't touched it, whether it's a tool, a kitchen appliance, or clothes, whatever, shoes, if you haven't touched them in a year, then give them to someone else. They could probably use it. Take a minute or 10 to review your current friendships. If there are people in your life that make you cringe when they call, text, email, then find a way to start distancing yourself from them with light and love, 
but let them go and be okay with it. You don't need to have a confrontation. You don't need to be mean and hurtful. You don't, just don't keep inspiring the relationship if you're not feeling it. Number three, take a critical review of the stories you tell. If you are identifying with a story, if you are telling it over and over again, well, stop it. Live in the present and create new and positive stories. While our past life traumas will get the attention that you might be craving, living through them isn't healthy and you are probably pissing people off. As a yogi, we know we should only live in the present. We can visit the past and we can visit the future, but living in the present is where it's at. Final thought. No one said that full moon work is easy work, but I really think coming out the other side of it all, we will feel lighter and freer and more open to welcoming new and positive into our lives. I think it's much easier to change courses or redirect our lives with a light backpack rather than a whole trunk of useless stuff, thoughts, feelings, and emotions piled on our back.